What's up, rich friends? Welcome back to another episode of Net Worth and Chill with me, your host, Vivian Tu, aka your rich BFF and your favorite Wall Street girly. This week, we're going to cover my favorite topic, food. In another life, I'd be a foodie blogger and take you guys with me to try cool new restaurants, but today we're actually going to look at it through the lens of economics, and this is relevant to every single person at home because, well, we all eat, don't we? If you've been at the grocery store in the past few months, it's pretty clear that the cost of food is up, up, up. In fact, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, between January 2022 and January 2023, groceries got 11.3% more expensive. And certain foods were up even more than that. I mean, eggs are what, $8 now for a dozen? Who do eggs think they are? This makes me concerned because of a very specific economic principle called a Giffen good. Giffen goods are essentially a phenomenon where when certain items get more expensive, people buy more, not less. For example, during periods of high inflation, all items in the grocery store are more expensive. And because folks can't afford premium items like meats and fresh produce, they buy more of a cheaper item like processed white bread, even though the price of white bread has gone up as well. While I'm an expert at eating, I am not an expert in the food industry, so I thought I'd invite a guest who is. There is nobody better to help guide us than the king of salads. He's built an incredible brand with a cult following, and he's the co-founder of one of my favorite fast casual restaurants, Sweet Green. Everyone, please welcome Nicholas Jamais. Hello. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for being here. Nicholas, before we get into any sort of nitty gritty talking about economics, since you're here, I got to know, close your eyes, you're in a store. What is your go-to sweet green order as the co-founder of Sweet Green? Um, great. I get asked this a lot. Typically for me, you know, we all always have a lot of great specials and seasonal items. So I tend to always play within the seasonal bucket of whatever is new and exciting and seasonal. I've been eating sweet green every day for almost 16 years. So, uh, you know, wow. I, I like to move around the menu. That's awesome. So you can't just stick with one thing like I do. I mean, I go into phases. They'll be for a month. I'll get the same thing and then I'll kind of switch. And But I, I like to generally move around the menu. So I don't normally get this, but recently my hyperfixation has been adding a hard boiled egg to my salad. It just adds so much protein. It's so good. And the humble but mighty egg has become not so humble anymore. And I know you've seen the headline, like why are eggs so expensive now? Why is everything at the grocery store so expensive? You know, I think it's just a broader question of inflation across a lot of industries. And we're seeing it all throughout food and in so many supply chains. And, you know, during COVID, it really spiked in so many different parts of the world and different industries and different uh, with different ingredients in their supply chains. And I think you're still seeing some of those supply chains settle down. And, you know, there's weather related things and things that just, you know, that affect different ingredients at, at different times. And, you know, we, we've learned for ourselves, our supply chain just has to be more and more resilient. But in general, I think it's, you know, it's tough. The consumers are definitely feeling it and, and they're looking for value out there. And, and it is shifting their behavior in some ways around how they eat, where they eat, how much they're cooking. Um, and so it's interesting to see how customers respond to things like eggs getting so expensive all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And do you worry that people are making less healthy choices because money is getting tighter? You know, it's something we talk about a lot. And, you know, part of why we started Sweeter was to help redefine this fast food, this idea of fast food and convenience and health and, and access to it. And when we started Sweet Green, you know, we looked around and the least healthy places that were the most accessible, that were the most craveable, that were the most cool, were always the least healthy. So we created Sweet Green to kind of shift that and create all those things in a place that was also good for you and good for the planet. And, you know, when, when your wallet gets uh, pressured, you know, I, I think some of that paradigm is still there today where some of the cheapest food is the least healthy. And so I, I definitely see that, but I, 
I think more than ever, consumers are more connected to their food and how it makes them feel. And I think they're making decisions not just on price, but broader price value. So, you know, I spend X on this, it makes me feel like this or it does this to me. And I think you see that around, you know, how consumers' behavior has shifted in general in the short term and in the long term. I mean, you look at what the average consumer today spends on a cup of coffee and the value it creates them versus 30 years ago. It's a very different relationship. 100%. And interestingly enough, one of our first conversations when we first became friends, my complaint was back in the day, you guys had this amazing loyalty program. I was in the green section working my way into the black section so I could get a free sweet green t-shirt. But I may or may not have heard a little rumor that sweet green is actually bringing back loyalty. Can you tell me anything about this? <laughs> you were definitely one of the first to hear it. And yes, yeah, Green is bringing back loyalty. We're incredibly excited about it. And I think if you look back at our 16 years in business, we were really one of the first in our space to launch a loyalty program. We launched our first one, I think, 12 years ago, 11, 12 years ago with a company called Level Up. And we really kind of like constructed and architected that program that you kind of see out there, the points-based program. And we had that for so many years. And we decided to sunset that a few years ago during COVID because we wanted to get started on building the new version of that, that we thought made way more sense for our consumer and for our business. And I think would just uh, serve our guests in a, in a way better way. So we're excited that we're finally getting ready to launch that. It's been slowly rolling out and testing, but our launch date is uh, is really here. And so the goal was really just to reimagine all that, that traditional point-based loyalty program that you see all over the industry. And, you know, sweet pass for us will be in full launch by early summer. And you can kind of think of it as a salad subscription service meets VIP experience. Wait, pause. Okay, you guys, I want to make sure you hear that. It's called Sweet Pass. Okay, now that I've, I, I apologize, I cut you off. Sorry, continue. Tell me all about Sweet Pass. How am I saving money? Because when I was working at BuzzFeed, mm -hmm. I worked right on the corner of Union Square and there was a sweet green two blocks away from the office. And every single day, it would hit like 12, 17. And I would say, it's about that time, my friends. And I would, <laughs> I would rally literally like a crew of like four or five people. And we'd all go to Sweet Green. And some people who had, you know, the ability of forethought and foresight would order on the app. And I would, of course, not have that. So I would stand in the line. And it was just part of my weekly ritual. How, how are we going to make that more cost effective? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for doing that. We always love those uh, evangelists <laughs> that would rally the whole office to to a sweet green and, and really make it more than just a lunch, but kind of a fun social lunch break. And yeah, you know, for us, we're really excited because I think the, the point you make around routine and in a way where, you know, personal health gets prioritized and people, you know, our customers' relationship with food is different, uh, changes. For us, it was really excited. Uh, we're excited to keep building sweet green in a way that removes that friction around eating healthy, right? Whether it's how you get it, the value you want it, you want to see in it or how craveable it is, or you know how easy it is to get. And that's kind of the mission we've been on for 16 years, but we're excited to reintroduce our loyalty program called Sweet Pass. And for us, it is, you know, we think it's this next generation loyalty program that allows us to really have a more customized and bespoke experience for each customer. So, you know, there's two tiers. There's one that is just, you know, free and naturally customers as they uh, download the app are enrolled. You know, they get rewards such as special birthday gifts and exclusive menu items and even limited edition merch and invitation to cool events. And, and then it's really more targeted rewards and challenges. So thinking about a, a reward or challenge that is more customized to your behavior that fits what you are versus this kind of one size fits all peanut butter approach to everyone getting the same reward, which sometimes can be nice. But you know, we think really making the rewards and challenges more customized to the individual make a lot more sense. The second tier is uh, a subscription uh, component. So it's $10 per month. It's a membership that rewards these loyalists, the, you know, the folks that have that routine that go every day, or very often, 
with $3 off their daily sweet green order. So that's in addition to the delivery perks and priority sweet green support and also premier access to some really cool merch. We've been working on some great merch. Uh, merch? We're very, very serious about merch at sweet green. And then also, <laughs> you know, bringing back so many of these really cool sweet green uh, in, in person experiences that we used to know and love pre COVID. So you know, we're excited for those to come back. But it's really, A, it's creating value, but it's also, for us, it's, it's continuing to build community. Amazing. What are some of the benefits that you mentioned of the subscription tier of Sweet Pass, Sweet Pass Plus? Like, who is that for? When does that make sense? You know, Sweet Pass Plus it makes sense for a, a range of customers. And, you know, I think if, if you're someone that already has that routine or someone that is just connects with eating this way and wants to, you know, incentivize yourself even more to just, you know, give yourself a reason to continue eating that way and someone that's just looking for value and ultimately you know why i get excited about it is it's i think that's this idea that i know you'll relate to but it's connecting your you know your personal health to your financial health and how do you find value in things that are also good for you so the more of them you do the, the better it is for you and so i think that alignment is really exciting and gives people you know another reason to get excited about eating healthy and doing something good for their body and do you want to mention the specific savings i'd love to do a little math with our listeners sure so sweet pass plus is ten dollars per month uh, mm-hmm for the membership and that rewards our the customers that sign up for that with $3 off daily sweet green orders. So it's pretty, you know, pretty powerful. And yeah. in addition to that, like I was saying, there's delivery perks, you know, there'll be free delivery moments, uh, priority sweet green support. So if there's something wrong with your order or you just want to be in touch with someone on the, on the sweet green side, you know, stronger access to that. And then again, the merch and experiences, which uh, tend to be the more popular and exciting parts for our customers and our team members, honestly. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And I do want to make two quick notes. So for everybody listening, because this membership is only $10 a month, and you're saving $3 per bowl, that really means if you are eating at Sweetgreen, essentially the break-even point is between bowl three and four. So if you are getting four bowls of Sweetgreen a month, which is just one a week, this pass already is now paying for itself, which I think is super smart. And I will say, this is just like a compliment, but like Sweetgreen, your customer service is one of the best. One time I did get an insane bowl. I had a full bowl made and it didn't come with any base. Like it was just the toppings. (laughs) And I was like cracking up. I was like, oh, okay. It's just like not a salad. It's just like a little bit of chicken and some items. And I laughed, but I messaged someone on the app and they dropped $25 in my account paying for that bowl and another one. And I was not even mad about it. I was like, great. Like this, these toppings are free. I'm enjoying my chicken. And I was back at the next day. So I really do love the way you guys treat your customers, I think is really awesome. Oh, thank you. That makes me very happy to hear. You know, ultimately we're a food business, but it's all about our customer and interacting and both in person at our restaurants on our front lines. We have 5,000 amazing team members that have to show up every day and bring that food to life and, and serve our guests and interact with them. But, you know, we know that things go wrong. We know that we're not perfect. You know, we're always trying to get better. But I think how you support the customer when things go wrong is just as important, if not more important. Totally. Mistakes happen, but it's how you address them. Yeah. And pivoting quickly, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, back in the day, fast casual, you close your eyes, you're imagining a burger and fries. And certainly there were like health food chains, but none of them have taken off the way Sweetgreen has. What compelled you and your co-founders to create, for lack of a better term, like a, a salad restaurant? Like what made you think people wanted that? <laughs> You know, my two co-founders, Jonathan and Nathaniel, we were seniors at Georgetown. We were 21 years old. Uh, All of our parents are immigrants and entrepreneurs. And so we grew up in this world and these households of, you know, building something yourself, blood, sweat, and tears, pouring everything into it, and uh, just being proactive on, on wanting to build. And we also 
when we met at Georgetown, we had this problem of just having nowhere to eat, being sick of the cafeteria that we thought was pretty, pretty gross, honestly. And there were some great places we loved, but you know, places that you didn't really feel like eating every day that didn't make you feel the best. And we were sick of kind of getting that afternoon, like, you know, salt hangover where you just like kind of get tired and you want a nap or, uh, and so we said, why don't we create a solution and, and build a place that is healthy, makes you feel good, but is also cool and craveable and where you can trust the food and, and you feel like you're also doing good. And so we didn't see that out there. So at first we created it for ourselves, honestly, for us and our friends. And then the more research we started to do, we saw that this was just a broader problem and opportunity in fast food. So uh, we got excited about building the first one, but ultimately knew that it's you know, we were building something that could be way bigger. Yeah. And had you guys always wanted to get into the food business or like had any of you guys had like family experience running restaurants or like was that something in the blood or it was that completely uncharted water? Uh, you know, fast food was uncharted water, but I grew up in a hospitality family. So my parents and honestly, if you rewind back as far as I can know, five, six generations, every part of my family has been in hotels or restaurants uh, around wow. the world. And so I, I grew up in a hospitality family, but way more fine dining. Uh, my parents <laughs> ran a very, very fancy French restaurant for a couple decades in New York. That was, you know, this iconic old French restaurant. And so I grew up in that world around, you know, just intense hospitality and quality food and, you know, understanding how you wanted people to feel when they left your restaurant or how you wanted them to feel when they were there. And so, you know, a lot of those principles apply. We tried to apply that to fast food, but obviously a whole different business model. None of us had ever run restaurants or run a fast food or fast casual restaurant. So, but we actually think that was good for us, honestly. It, you know, that naivete or that, you know, not knowing how to do things or the right way to do things, I think forced us to kind of operate outside the box and which a lot of times is great. <laughs> a lot of times you make mistakes and you learn, but our first restaurant was 500 square feet in this old little tavern off of the campus that had no running water, no power, no <laughs> weight, no sewage. <laughs> And we were like, perfect, we'll open here because it was this beautiful green and white little tavern. And we knew that the location was great for students. But today we wouldn't even consider that location on paper for the size, for the just existing utilities. But, you know, it ended up that the simplicity and, the, and the, how small the site was ended up being a blessing because it forced us to really focus and not try to do everything. And so we look back a lot at those constraints and it really was good for us early on. That's awesome. And it, you mentioned the mistakes. Uh, what would you say was the biggest challenge while building Sweet Green? And on the other hand, like what was the greatest like aha success moment? Uh, greatest challenge. You know, I think we have, we always have challenges, small, medium, and large. And I, and I think as much as there are challenges and there's crises that come up, we always see them opportunities to just learn and learn forward and you obviously want more of like the small and medium ones than the big ones um we've definitely had some pretty big moments over the years whether that's you know how we're picking real estate where we're opening how we think about broadening our menu honestly our first location we opened and it did well but then the first winter hit and 500 square feet no seats uh, originally sweet green was salad and soft serve frozen yogurt not very winter friendly menu items especially 16 years ago and we almost went out of business that first December. I think at one point we had, you know, $1,500 in our bank account. And, you know, John, Nate and I were working every single day just to save money on labor. We had no manager and we were just running the place ourselves. And I remember that first winter, we still had a team member holiday party because we wanted to, you know, celebrate the team. But Was it just the three of you or? No, we had, uh, we had eight to, <laughs> you know, eight to 10 employees. And, we, you know, we tried to, we just really, it forced us to look at the whole business model and be like, how do we make this more resilient? How do we make sure the menu, uh, you know, makes sense in the winter? How do we make sure that the next locations we open have indoor seating and some of some really basic things you learn, but it really did force us to think differently. Even you know, a lot of that was the birth of how we thought about our different channels we wanted to build, whether it was like investing in technology really early, early so customers could order ahead and then ultimately outpost and delivery. But, you know, we were the, I think we were the first in the space to really uh, build this idea of a pickup shelf in the restaurant. 
And I remember very specifically, it was a restaurant in Boston, our Four Point location, where, uh, you know, people would always order ahead in restaurants, but the orders were behind the shelf and you had to like wait in line and get a team member to give you the order. And they were so overwhelmed one day, they just rolled the shelf out into the front of house and they were like, hey, customers, please grab your own order. The name is on it. And it was, you know, they were just short staffed one day. But, you know, after seeing it for a few days, they were like, oh, this kind of works and the customers kind of like it better. It's, it's, it's less friction. They kind of see their order and, you know, and it just worked. And now that's kind of the standard in the industry. It's funny, you see, you know, you, you can't really find a restaurant where there isn't like a pickup shelf uh, for customers and or delivery drivers. So it's kind of like a funny accident that was born out of like a little crisis one day. But, you know, as we thought about in general, just growing and, and evolving the model, we knew that we wanted to remove as much friction as possible, whether that's how you order, what you're ordering, how it tastes, you know, how easy it is to get. I have a very negative Nancy question. Please. When you guys started rolling this shelf out to the front, were you ever concerned that people would just like walk in and like steal other people's orders? Because that that's immediately my thought. Not that I like go and steal people's sweet green orders, but like, that's my immediate thought. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's probably why that that that, that didn't exist right because that is the natural thought and that is you know that that's kind of where everyone's head goes to and honestly we were scared at first about it too and we tested it in like you know two restaurants then three then four and it just really wasn't a problem and honestly the shelves are usually pretty close to where the team members are and a lot of times when the when the number of orders really piles up we do have a team member there as kind of like a concierge just greeting guests helping them find the order what's your name let me find it and actually one of my favorite things that i see in a restaurant that ends up happening is we have such a frequent customer base like yourself the routine of going every day that you'd see these moments where team members you know see vivian walk in and they're like vivian's here turn around they grab your order they're like here you go and they just they start to honestly get to know the customers but even with the pickup shelves they they can kind of get ahead of it and grab your order and hand it to you, which is a beautiful moment. But yeah, there's always a team member around there, you know, manner. Mm -hmm. but it honestly was not a problem. It is, it is not really a problem um, in our restaurants. That's really, really awesome. I think that speaks volumes of, you know, the business model, but also just like the trust that you have with your customer base. So that's mm -hmm. really, really cool. This is something that I'm very curious about because the Union Square Sweet Green has a glass panel so I can see the vegetables in the back and the weirdest thing that i watch and i it's like truly like mesmerizing they take this kale leaf the size of my body and they run it through a little doohickey that looks like i can't even i don't know like a cd-rom do people even know what those are um uh, it looks like a CD, <laughs> and then they like rip off the kale leaf like can you just explain to me like what is the entire process of how like you know a kale leaf that you guys would buy from a farmer like starts in the ground and ends up in my lunch bowl. Yeah, no, it's a really great question. I think, you know, when you look at a, the sweet green and part of the value prop for, for our customers, and this is why we have literally glass walls and open kitchens and we yeah. want you to see us doing all this prep is, you know, there's a, there's a huge amount of focus on not just how we source the ingredients and where they're from. And, you know, our supply chain's job is team's job is to just source the best and highest quality ingredients. Cause we think they just taste better when you do that. Right. And it's good for soil health and the environment, but we think those just taste best when you're sourcing the best ingredients. And we have a board that shows every farm, every ingredient where they're from. So all about like full transparency. But then we want you to see like the love and care and honestly, all the work that goes into the, the cooking and the full scratch cooking, which means we are shucking kale stems. We're, you know, fresh shredding lettuce every day, roasting our meats, cleaning our veg and cutting them. And, you know, all that stuff happens fresh every day, making fresh dressings every day in each restaurant and all of our 200 locations. I think our customers taste the difference, but it's also nice for them to see all the work that goes into it. And uh, that machine is called the Roboku. It's like a super <laughs> shredder um, processor and it's, it's really great. <laughs> That's awesome.
you mentioned your dressing. I will say the thing that I feel like truly differentiates Sweet Green from every other competitor is just like the dressing is so much better and it is so good. And you guys did this very insane thing that on social media that I never thought you were do you would do. You gave the secret recipe away for the spicy cashew dressing, which is one of my favorites. And I was so shocked that you guys did that. But there was also like 8,000 steps. So I'm not going to go make that at home. I'm like way too lazy to do that. But what was the thought behind that social media strategy, like literally giving the secret formula away? You know, we don't see it as a secret recipe. You know, our recipes are pretty simple and, and I think our dressings are incredible and we're excited for all, you know, the new ones and seasonals and how those come to life and just create a lot of flavor for our guests. But it's not about a secret recipe. You know, it's just making these things from scratch is a lot of work, whether it's like grating the fresh ginger or, you know, all the steps that go into it. And for customers that want, you know, there's recipes everywhere. There's versions of these. These aren't like elaborate, crazy, you know, chef driven, insane recipes. They're meant to be really simple and highlight the, just the quality of the produce and the ingredients. That being said, we get excited about these bold, craveable flavors, but it's, you know, for us, it's not about the secret recipe. It is about just ultimately a brand that people want to connect with and then just removing as much friction as possible, making it so easy to get a dressing like that, uh, whether it's like the click of, you know, click of a button on your phone or walking and picking it up in a restaurant or, or interacting with a, a team member. But so much of this is making it crave, craveable enough that you want to get it, but so easy that you're like, I'm just going to go to Sweet Green and get it. And you mentioned, you know, chef inspired, but I feel like Sweet Green has recently taken a page out of high fashion's book <laughs> and that you guys are starting to do some pretty cool collaborations with you know, Michelin starred chefs. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. We, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, for the past 10 years, we've done some of the most incredible collaborations that have been so fun and honestly pushed us in such a way to think about our food differently. But we've worked with some of the world's greatest chefs and we've been honored to work with folks like David Chang and Dan Barber and Nancy Silverton and Danny Bowen and, you know, all these incredible chefs from around the world. Uh, yesterday, we actually just launched in Miami our Boya Day Bowl with Alex and Lucci, the chefs of Boya Day, which I think is one of the best restaurants in the world. And it has stretches and these amazing bold flavors, almost like a puttanesca dressing. And, you know, for us, it's we're so inspired by chefs like that. And we love creating with them. And it forces us to think differently about ingredients on our menu and how we think about innovation. But also it just tells really cool stories around some of these chefs that honestly, you have the same food ethos and we're using some of the same ingredients. I mean, with Dan Barber, we literally spent a year breeding a new squash called the coconut squash uh, that we then bought 100,000 seeds from. He has a, a seed company called Row 7. And we were the first to say, let's grow this at scale. And we literally grew this squash, the coconut squash. How do you breed a squash that I, I have to ask? It's like seed breeding. You know, it's like a, how do you breed? Oh. And, and most seeds are bred for efficiency or durability or color or, and, okay. you know, Dan and, and Row 7's whole thing is let's breed these for flavor. Let's just make the most delicious vegetables possible. So this squash was bred specifically to be the most delicious squash. And it was super sweet, super nutty. And so I miss that squash. But, uh, you know, just telling really cool stories around food. With Dave Chang, we had a, you know, a kelp and tingly spice bowl, his Szechuan tingly spice, but then talked about kelp, an insanely carbon positive ingredient from, you know, an amazing supply chain in Maine, Atlantic Sea Farms. And so we use these chefs to talk about these incredible ingredients and flavors and just create some excitement. So it is a little bit like the, you know, the fashion collab, but it's that idea of just creating enough newness and excitement for our, for our customers and just telling some great stories around ingredients that we think are delicious and important. You mentioned you know, uh, all of these different chefs, are you rolling these, I would say, like, limited edition specialty bowls out at every single location? Or is there a specific plan for certain geographies? Just because I know that, obviously, having lived in New York, 
there was a sweet green on every single block. It was so easy, so accessible. But I've seen you recently flying around the country. You just opened up a location in Detroit. Um, there are now multiple locations in Texas, in California, in Florida. Like, what is the what is the expansion plan, basically? Yeah, we're excited to be continuing to grow in all these different parts of the country in new states. You know, in the past six months, we opened our first restaurants in Indianapolis, Michigan, uh, Minneapolis, Tampa, and excited to be continuing to grow in all these different states and communities around the country. Uh, actually, one of my favorite chef bowls we've done was this Ann Kim, Chef Ann Kim. She was on Chef's Table also. But in Minneapolis, she created a bowl on our menu. And it was honestly one of the biggest hits we ever had because uh, she's such a star. Uh, and the bowl was really good. But you know, I think for us, it's just as we enter these communities, just understanding as much as we can about the region, you know, what's growing there, how, what the eat, eating and food trends are and making sure we show up the right way. And again, even beyond our menu and supply chain, but how we build a restaurant, what artists we partner with, how do we make Sweet Green feel like it fits in that community and is intentional and it's not just a copy and paste. And so, you know, we have uh, a whole team that is really intentional about that. And so it's been exciting to bring Sweet Green to all these different cities and communities around the country. Some of which, honestly, we probably never thought we'd open in, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah, of course. You know, salads weren't like the health movement, I feel like wasn't what it was now. And you mentioned food trends. We talked a little bit earlier about broader inflation and costs rising due to higher labor, transportation, ingredient costs. Like what has Sweetgreen done to try and mitigate that? I don't think I've personally noticed like a dramatic like increase in price or anything, but like how are you guys tackling higher input costs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I'll say a few, way, a few ways. A, I think Sweet Pass and Sweet Pass Plus is a huge way. We know we want to keep creating value for our guests and, you know, for us, we also think about price value. So it's exciting for guests to know that, you know, if this is more expensive than this other fast food place, but here's why, here's why I feel like the value is there for that price. So price versus price value is something we talk a lot about, but Sweet Pass is, you know, an incredible tool for us. And we think it'll be really, really, uh, you know, exciting for our customers that either are, you know, coming once a week, once a month, once a year to disincentivize them to see that there's value in eating healthy. Secondly, you know, when we talk about our menu, and I think we've spent the past two years, and this is definitely a huge focus for us now, that's really exciting. But thinking about value in terms of how hearty the food is and how, you know, expanding the range of our menu. So, you know, beyond just salads that are based with lettuce, really thinking about these heartier grain and rice bowls and plates. And we've had a lot of success with them. You know, we just unveiled a new bowl last week that was the chicken and chipotle pepper bowl. And it, you know, it's double rice, hearty chicken, these amazing lime cilantro black beans. It's really a spicy salsa dressing. And it's creating these heartier, craveable, you know, like more calorically dense, but also just as nutrient dense offering. So I think when people, you know, want to go and spend their money, they also want to feel like, hey, I can get this range of food, some of which is heartier. So if I want something that, you know, makes sense for dinner or those days where I don't want a lettuce-based salad, how do we go to Sweetgreen because it's a place we trust in their supply chain and all the prep? And how do we get excited about that broader range of food? And so we've seen some really incredible excitement around that. We have this hot honey chicken plate on our menu that is, you know, one of our best sellers and, and customers getting really excited about that range of our hardiness expanding. That's awesome. And in terms of, you know, making sure like the phrase health is wealth, like what's your advice when it comes to making smart food decisions on a tight budget? Yeah, you know, I, th I think that's a really great question, especially for consumers today. And, you know, I go back to that idea of in this world, wherever you can connect your personal health to your financial health, I think that's really exciting. And that's why Sweet Pass for us is I think it gives 
customers and, and opportunity to really connect those two things. But I think it's just really understanding what's most important to you and where you want to spend your dollars, right? For some people that is, you know, going out and hang out with friends and be able to grab a drink three nights a week. For some people, you know, cutting out alcohol is not as, you know, is less important so they can save money there and go get a nice fine dining meal once a month. I think, you know, looking at where you want to spend your dollars, you know, dinner has gotten really expensive now in so many different places where it maybe was more affordable before. We've seen a shift of customers thinking about speaking for dinner with these heartier options now, because, you know, some people may say, I can't afford, you know, a $16 salad or, you know, a $14 salad for lunch, but hey, an $18 bowl for dinner is actually pretty affordable. And so seeing the dynamics of, you know, how people shift behavior from fast food to sit down to fine dining to, you know, drinking. Uh, I mean, for me personally, I, uh, I drink way less than I ever have before. And, you know, I enjoy things like Gia, which are, you know, cheaper than a, these like not alcohol uh, replacements that allow you to still enjoy something and make you feel social. But, mm-hmm. you know, for me, make me feel really good when I drink them. So I think it just depends what your preferences are, but understanding that, you know, you have to make some decisions around where you want to spend your money. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I personally also have seriously ratcheted back my drinking. I feel like all mm-hmm. of my college friends who listen to this are like, we do not recognize this girl. Um, but I probably <laughs> drink like three or four times a year now. And it's always me getting like really crunk at a wedding. <laughs> yep. The weddings. That's when you do it. Me too. <laughs> like, you know what? You get a pass at a wedding. Yeah. That's awesome. And while I have you and you are trapped on this podcast recording with me, I wanted to bring up an idea because I thought this was really cool. Like I mentioned, I would go to Sweetgreen every single day. And you mentioned like a salad can range anywhere between 13 to $16. But I am taking two minutes on this podcast to pitch you live the idea of a Yarrich BFF ballin' on a budget bowl you know, I think one thing that people would really appreciate if Sweetgreen considered would be a bowl of just the most affordable, delicious local ingredients, but at a slightly lower price point, especially knowing that, you know, when you look at a round number, like $10 for lunch, mm-hmm. it feels so much more accessible even than like a 13, which is frankly, like not that much of a difference. And I understand, obviously, if you sign up for Sweet Pass Plus, you're going to be able to get that $10 off that bowl. I knew that's where you were going with it. <laughs> Um, Took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) I know. I like, I, you guys, I like cut him off. He like looked like he was about to say something and I cut it off. I was like, no, but you know, I do think there is some room for creating a bowl that's just really, really affordable and using that as another factor in the future. Just, you know, my unsolicited idea that I wanted to share, but would love to hear your thoughts on like, in terms of like, you know, that affordability factor. Yeah, I think it's a great question. I would say, first of all, let's, let's get you in the Sweet Green Test Kitchen Lab. Let's start making some, some rich BFF falling on a budget balls and let's, let's start tasting some options. Cause I love that. And you know, the price range on our menu is really important to us. And I think aside from Sweet Pass and Sweet Pass Plus and creating other moments of values with the rewards and challenges, we just want to make sure there's a range for everyone. So, you know, on all of our menus around the country, you know, you, you can get this entry point, entry point bowl that starts at nine or 10 bucks, right? And then if you want to add a bunch of protein and cheese and the, the price starts building, but we want to make sure we do have that range for everyone. And yes, if you want, you know, sustainable steelhead with goat cheese, the bowl will get to like 15, 16 <laughs> plus bucks and, and that's great. But uh, it's kind of creating that range and optionality so that each customer can opt into their, uh, the journey they want. And it's funny because today I get a wild outcome of uh, like a range of different uh, 
points of feedback from customers. Some customers say like, oh, my bowl is like, I saved some for lunch and saved some for dinner because it's so big. And others are like, it was too small for me. I needed to add double protein. And that just shows you like, you know, hardiness and what a full meal is, is obviously there, there's a range of customers totally. and how you define that. And so making sure that that range on price and hardiness exists for all customers is really important to us. I will say, I do want to shout out my now, my local sweet green on Miami beach. Every bowl is made to perfection. It is made with love. All of the ingredients are put in like a cute little rainbow. And, you know, I think I recently saw you guys do this social media piece about someone going into a sweet green and trying to make a $50 (laughs) bowl. And this bowl was like truly like overflowing. But I thought of, you know, to your point, like there are people who do order like that. I had a girlfriend who would come with me, part of my, you know, my squad, my sweet green squad, and her bowl would be $22 every time. We'd be like, Kenny, like, what did you order? We have no idea what she was saying. But, you know, uh, that's that's for another time to chat about. I love ending on a happy note. Uh, clearly, Sweetgreen is crushing it. Where do you see the brand going over the next decade? You know, I see even though we're 16 years in and 200 restaurants in, it really does feel like we're pretty early innings at Sweetgreen. And, you know, my co-founders and I have been doing this and living this for 16 years. But I would say we're just as energized and excited as ever about the mission and the purpose and this idea of redefining fast food. You know, 200 restaurants is tiny. It's really just the beginning. There are, you know, tens of thousands of, I mean, when you put it in context, there are tens of thousands of McDonald's and thousands of Chipotle's and and those are, you know, brands that, you know, have scaled over a long time. But uh, if we really want to redefine how people eat and their connection to food and think about think about how we continue to broaden our menu, it's really pretty early. So, you know, the next 10 years, I think is is really excited to continue growing to different communities around the country in a thoughtful way, reimagining that team member and customer experience, and just continue to also change how food is grown and talked about and its impact on the earth and and personal health. And so I think, you know, making sure that we are accessible and approachable to more and more customers every year is really what keeps us going. That's awesome. And tell us where our listeners can find you on social, in real life. Let us know. Sure. I am just Nicholas Jamey on uh, Instagram and all social channels. And then uh, also follow Sweet Green for all the updates on things like Sweet Pass and, and all our chef collabs. So. Amazing. So everyone, please go check out your local Sweet Green for your new favorite salad. Also check out Sweet Pass if you are looking to save money on your next couple purchases. I highly recommend it. And if you guys want to order my go-to regular, you're going to ask for 50% kale, 50% romaine. Then you're going to get spicy broccoli, the roasted sweet potatoes, red onion, red cabbage. You get the blackened chicken. And I add a little bit of the uh, sunflower seeds. And then in an absolute cereal killer move, you're going to ask for a 50-50 blend of the spicy cashew and the miso ginger dressing. <laughs> wow. you that That is the ultimate pro move that not most people know is the half and half dressing combos Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is that is what i do most days that is the uh that's the pro move. I love that. Oh, I love that. I love it's pro move. Not like just like I'm the crazy person who does that. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I have learned so much and I hope our listeners have too. Thank you, Vivian. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Net Worth and Chill. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a rating and a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Got a financial question you want answered in the future? You can leave me a voicemail or text me at 908 908- 858-3410. Make sure to follow me at Your Rich BFF across social media for even more relatable financial content. Special thanks to my team at Audioboom as well as Range Media and WME. See you next week. Bye!